Welcome to Bandcamp, the band book podcast. My name's Jennifer. And I'm Dan, and this is a podcast where we read banned books and try to figure out why they were banned in the first place. Hey, Jen, before we get into, uh, what are we up to? Chapter 10? Chapter 10. Mm-hmm. So uh, let's give people a tiny bit of our history. We used to do a podcast called the Hawaii Travel Podcast. and Very different topic. Very different. Very little uh, racism in that podcast, surprisingly. So at the end of that show, we came up with a tropical drink. Do you remember that? Mm-hmm. We came up with the Molokini. Should we come up with a drink for this book? Sure. Why not? Because I have a name for it. Okay, Dan. Tequila Mockingbird. Tequila. Yeah. And for those who don't want to drink, Tequila Mockingtail. What? That didn't go from, you know, mocktail instead of a cocktail. All right. But I know you like to tip a couple back. I know you don't have a problem like me. I don't have a problem either. Chapter 10. Mm. Atticus was feeble. He was nearly 50. When Gemini asked him why he was so old, he said he got started late, which we felt reflected upon his abilities and manliness. He was much older than the parents of our school contemporaries, and there was nothing Jem or I could say about him when our classmates said, My father, Jem was football crazy. Atticus was never too tired to play keep away, but when Jem wanted to tackle him, Atticus would say, I'm too old for that, son. Our father didn't do anything. He worked in an office, not in a drugstore. Atticus did not drive a dump truck for the county. He was not the sheriff. He did not farm, work in a garage, or do anything that could possibly arouse the admiration of anyone. Come on, (laughs) he's not a guard like a cool garbage man. Besides that, he wore glasses. He was nearly blind in his left eye and said left eyes were the tribal curse of the finches. Whenever he wanted to see something well, he turned his head and looked from his right eye. He did not do things our schoolmates' fathers did. He never went hunting. He did not play poker or fish or drink or smoke. He sat in the living room and read. My kind of guy here. That is the kind of dad we should all have. With these attributes, however, he would not remain as inconspicuous as we wished him to. That year, the school buzzed with talk about him defending Tom Robinson, none of which was complimentary. After my bout with Cecil Jacobs, when I committed myself to a policy of cowardice, word got around that Scout Finch wouldn't fight anymore. Her daddy wouldn't let her. This was not entirely correct. I wouldn't fight publicly for Atticus, But the family was private ground. I would fight anyone from a third cousin upwards, tooth and nail. Francis Hancock, for example, knew that. (laughs) When he gave us our air rifles, Atticus wouldn't teach us to shoot. Uncle Jack instructed us in the rudiments thereof. He said Atticus wasn't interested in guns. Atticus said to Jem one day, I'd rather you shot at tin cans in the backyard, but I know you'll go after birds. Shoot all the blue jays you want if you can hit them. But remember, it's a sin to kill a mockingbird. What, are blue jays not as valuable? Yeah, I listen, I like blue jays. I like red robins. I like blue jays. like them all, like them all. All birds, fine. Except the dove that's still sitting. <laughs> this dove from the last episode is still here. <laughs> He's moved in. 
That was the only time I ever heard Atticus say it was a sin to do something, and I asked Miss Maudie about it. Your father's right, she said. Mockingbirds don't do one thing but make music for us to enjoy. They don't eat up people's gardens, don't nest in corn cribs. They don't do one thing but sing their hearts out for us. That's why it's a sin to kill a mockingbird. Miss Maudie, this is an old neighborhood, ain't it? Been here longer than the town. No, I mean, the folks on our street are all old. (laughs) (laughs) Jem and me's the only children around here. Miss Dubois is close on to 100, and Miss Rachel's old, and so are you and Atticus. I don't call 50 very old, said Miss Maudie tartly. Not being wheeled around yet, am I? Neither's your father, but I must say Providence was kind enough to burn down that old mausoleum of mine. I'm too old to keep it up. Maybe you're right, Jean Louise. This is a settled neighborhood. You've never been around young folks much, have you? Hey, can I cut you off for a second? So I was talking to your daughter. Mm-hmm. We never really talked a lot about personal stuff, but how how old is your daughter? Let's just do very basic. Eight. 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 So, Eight. so she's about oh, she age. She acts like Scout. We were talking about Netflix a musical that you brought up a few episodes ago called Matilda. And she uh, asked uh-huh. me, she goes, did you ever see, first of all, she's eight years old and she sounds like she's 45 with an English uh, accent. Please tell me you've seen Matilda. Isn't it to die for like that kind of thing? She talks all the time. <laughs> I go, yeah, I saw it. She goes, do you know that there was an old version of that movie? It's a remake, not with music, though. Do you know what the old one was? Did you perhaps see it by chance? And I go, uh, how old is it? Very old. Like, I want to say 1932. So I looked up Matilda. Are you aware of the movie Matilda when it came out? Yeah, yeah. The 90s, 90s. right? 90s. She thought it was 1932. <laughs> he doesn't know. <laughs> You've never been around young folks much, have you? Yes, I'm at school. I mean, young grown-ups. You're lucky, you know. You and Jem have the benefit of your father's age. If your father was 30, you'd find life quite different. I sure would. Atticus can't do anything. You'd be surprised, said Miss Maudie. There's life in him yet. What can he do? Well... He can make somebody's will so airtight. Can't anybody meddle with it. Shoot. Well, did you know he's the best checker player in this town? Why, down at the landing, when we were coming up, Atticus Finch could beat everybody on both sides of the river. Good Lord, Miss Maudie. Jim and me beat him all the time. It's about time you found out it's because he lets you. Did you know he can play a Jew's harp? This modest accomplishment served to make me even more ashamed of him. (laughs) It is a pretty annoying instrument. (laughs) Well, she said, well, what, Miss Maudie? Well, nothing, nothing. It seems with all that you'd be proud of him. Can't everybody plays a Jew's harp. Now keep out of the way of the carpenters. You'd better go home. I'll be in my azaleas and can't watch you. Plank might hit you. I went to the backyard and found Jem plugging away at a tin can, which seemed stupid with all the blue jays around. I returned to the front yard and busied myself for two hours erecting a complicated breastworks at the side of the porch, consisting of a tire, an orange crate, the laundry hamper, the porch chairs, and a small U.S. flag Jem gave me from 
a popcorn box. When Atticus came home to dinner, he found me crouched down, aiming across the street. What are you shooting at? Miss Maudie's rear end. Atticus turned and saw my generous target bending over her bushes. Oh, is she serious? I thought she was joking. <laughs> he pushed his hat to the back of his head and crossed the street. Maudie, he called. I thought I'd better warn you. You're in considerable peril. Miss Maudie straightened up and looked toward me. She said, Atticus, you are a devil from hell. When Atticus returned, he told me to break camp. Don't you ever let me catch you pointing that gun at anybody again, he said. I wished my father was a devil from hell. I sounded out Calpurnia on the subject. Mr. Finch, why, he can do lots of things. Like what, I asked. Calpurnia scratched her head. Well, I don't rightly know, she said. Jim underlined it when he asked Atticus if he was going out for the Methodists, and Atticus said he'd break his neck if he did. He was just too old for that sort of thing. The Methodists were trying to pay off their church mortgage and had challenged the Baptists to a game of touch football. Everybody in town's father was playing, it seemed, except Atticus. Jim said he didn't even want to go, but he was unable to resist football in any form, and he stood gloomily on the sidelines with Atticus and me watching Cecil Jacob's father make touchdowns for the Baptists. Of course, they're on that side. <laughs> One Saturday, Jim and I decided to go exploring with our air rifles to see if we could find a rabbit or a squirrel. We had gone about 500 yards beyond the Radley place when I noticed Jim squinting at something down the street. He had turned his head to one side and was looking out of the corners of his eyes. What you looking at? That old dog down yonder, they better not. They better not. We, I will stop reading this book. We will end this and we will go back to the Hawaii travel podcast so fast <laughs> it'll make your head spin, Scout. That's old Tim Johnson, ain't it? Yeah. Tim Johnson was the property of Mr. Harry Johnson, who drove the mobile bus and, oh, excuse me, mobile, like the, like the city, hmm. mobile bus and lived on the southern edge of town. Tim was a liver-colored bird dog, the pet of Maycomb. This dog's name is Tim Johnson? <laughs> yes, Tim Johnson. I, I am in love with that kind of name for a dog. <laughs> for a dog? Yeah. It's my dog, I Tim agree. Johnson. <laughs> What's he doing? I don't know, Scout. We better go home. Aw, Jim, it's February. I don't care. I'm going to tell Cal. We raced home and ran to the kitchen. Cal said, Jem, can you come down the sidewalk a minute? What for, Jem? I can't come down the sidewalk every time you want me. There's something wrong with an old dog down yonder, Calpurnia sighed. I can't wrap up any dog's foot now. There's some gauze in the bathroom. Go get it and do it yourself. Jem shook his head. He's sick, Cal. Something's wrong with him. What's he doing, trying to catch his tail? No, he's doing like this. Jem gulped like a goldfish, hunched his shoulders, and twitched his torso. He's going like that, only not like he means to. What's he got, like rabies or something? Oh, God. If old Tim Johnson is going to be in peril, I am going to be bummed the F out. I think I, I think he is. It's not sounding good. I, I get the feeling they're going to be like, oh, we have to shoot him because he's in pain. You but know, he's not a mockingbird well, because mockingbirds are only there to give us love and songs. But old Tim Johnson. Are you telling me a story, Jem Finch? Calpurnia's voice hardened. 
No, Cal, I swear I'm not. Was he running? No, he's just moseying along, so slow you can't hardly tell it. He's coming this way. Calpurnia rinsed her hands and followed Jem into the yard. I don't see any dog, she said. She followed us beyond the Radley place and looked where Jem pointed. Tim Johnson was not much more than a speck in the distance, but he was closer to us. He walked erratically, as if his right legs were shorter than his left legs. He reminded me of a car stuck in a sandbed. He's gone lopsided, said Jem. Calpurnia stared, then grabbed us by the shoulders and ran us home. She shut the door behind us, went to the telephone and shouted, Give me Mr. Finch's office. Mr. Finch, she shouted. This is Cal. I swear to God, there's a mad dog down the street a piece. He's coming this way. Yes, sir. He's Mr. Finch. I declare he is old Tim Johnson. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yes. She hung up and shook her head when we tried to ask her what Atticus had said. She rattled the telephone hook and said, Miss Eula May, now, ma'am, I'm through talking to Mr. Finch. Please don't connect me no more. Listen, Miss Eula May, can you call Miss Rachel and Miss Stephanie Crawford and whoever's got a phone on this street and tell him a mad dog's coming? Please, ma'am. What, what? A mad dog? So sounds like rabies. They're scared of the dog. I'm getting a dog charity ready. I'm going to have to make a donation to a dog charity if this goes south. This is very south right here. Dog wandering the streets with rabies. <laughs> Those are the only kind of dogs they have in the south. Calpurnia listened. I know it's February, Miss Eula May, but I know a mad dog when I see one. Please, ma'am, hurry. Calpurnia asked Jem. Radley's got a phone? Jem looked in the phone book and said, no, they won't come out anyway, Cal. I don't care. I'm going to tell him. She ran to the front porch. Jem and I at her heels. You stay in that house, she yelled. Calpurnia's message had been received by the neighborhood. Every wood door within our range of vision was closed tight. We saw no trace of Tim Johnson. We watched Calpurnia running toward the Radley place, holding her skirt and apron above her knees. She went up to the front steps and banged on the door. She got no answer and she shouted, Mr. Nathan, Mr. Arthur, mad dog's coming, mad dog's coming. She's supposed to go around and back, I said. Jim shook his head. Don't make any difference now, he said. Calpurnia pounded on the door in vain. No one acknowledged her warning. No one seemed to have heard it. As Calpurnia sprinted to the back porch, a black Ford swung into the driveway. Atticus and Mr. Heck Tate got out. There's a good name for a dog. <laughs> what was it? Heck Tate. <laughs> Mr. Heck Tate was the sheriff of Macomb County. He's a good boy. He was as tall as Atticus, but thinner. He was long-nosed, wore boots with shiny metal eye holes, boot pants, and a lumber jacket. His belt had a row of bullets sticking in it. He carried a heavy rifle. When he and Atticus reached the porch, Jem opened the door. Stay inside, son, said Atticus. Where is he, Cal? He ought to be here by now, said Calpurnia, pointing down the street. Not running, is he? asked Mr. Tate. No, nah, sir, he's in the twitching stage, Mr. Heck. Should we go after him, Heck? asked Atticus. We better wait, Mr. Finch. They usually go in a straight line, but you can never tell. He might follow the curve, hope he does, or he'll go straight in the Radley backyard. Let's wait a minute. Don't think he'll get in the Radley yard, said Atticus. Fence will stop him, he'll probably follow the road. I thought mad dogs foamed at the mouth, galloped, leaped, and lunged at throats, and I thought they did it in August. 
Had Tim Johnson behaved thus, I would have been less frightened. Nothing is more deadly than a deserted waiting street. The trees were still, the mockingbirds were silent. The carpenters at Miss Mottie's house had vanished. God, it's like a monster's coming. God, I just... It's just... (sighs) I heard Mr. Tate sniff, then blow his nose. I saw him shift his gun to the crook of his arm. I saw Miss Stephanie Crawford's face framed in the glass window of her front door. Miss Mottie appeared and stood beside her. Atticus put his foot on the rung of a chair and rubbed his hand slowly down the side of his thigh. There he is, he said softly. Tim Johnson came into sight, walking dazedly in the inner rim of the curve parallel to the Radley house. Look at him, whispered Jem. Mr. Hicks said they walked in a straight line. He can't stay in the road. He looks more sick than anything, I said. Let anything get in front of him and hell come straight at it. Mr. Tate put his hand to his forehead and leaned forward. He's got it all right, Mr. Finch. Tim Johnson was advancing at a snail's pace, but he was not playing or sniffing at foliage. He seemed dedicated to one course and motivated by an invisible force that was inching him towards us. We could see him shiver like a horse shedding flies. His jaw opened and shut. He was a list, but he was being pulled gradually towards us. He's looking for a place to die, said Jem. Mr. Tate turned around. He's far from dead, Jem. He hasn't got started yet. Tim Johnson reached the side street that ran in front of the Radley place, and what remained of his poor mind made him pause and seem to consider which road he would take. He made a few hesitant steps and stopped in front of the Radley gate. Then he tried to turn around, but was having difficult. God, this is hard to read. I uh, just made a donation to Best Friends Animal Society in our name. Oh, this is tough. I don't like this. Let's put a link in the show notes to that charity. All right. Oh. Yeah. Everyone hug your dogs. Take him, Mr. Finch. Mr. Tate handed the rifle to Atticus. Jim and I nearly fainted. Don't waste time, Heck, said Atticus. Go on. Mr. Finch, this is a one-shot job. Atticus shook his head vehemently. Don't just stand there, Heck. He won't wait all day for you. For God's sake, Mr. Finch, look where he is. Miss, and you'll go straight into the Roundley house. I can't shoot that well, and you know it. I haven't shot a gun in 30 years. Mr. Tate almost threw the rifle at Atticus. I'd feel mighty comfortable if you did it now, he said. Okay, at this point, I'm comfortable in saying they're, they're it's a, you know, they're helping. Let me try to. I mean, euthanasia would be better, but. Let me try to claw back that donation I made to best friends. (laughs) (laughs) You still owe me 10 bucks, Jennifer. The fog, Jim and I watched her father take the gun and walk out into the middle of the street. Oh, see, he doesn't want to do it either, but I think he knows he has to. He walked out quickly, but I thought he moved like an underwater swimmer. Time had slowed to a nauseating crawl. When Atticus raised his glasses, Calpurnia murmured, Sweet Jesus, help him, and put her hands to her cheeks. Atticus pushed his glasses to his forehead. They slipped down, and he dropped them in the street. In the silence, I heard them crack. Atticus rubbed his eyes and chin. We saw him blink hard. In front of the Radley gate, Tim Johnson had made up what was left of his mind. He had finally turned himself around to pursue his original course up our street. He made two steps forward, then stopped and raised his head. We saw his body go rigid. With movements so swift they seemed simultaneous, Atticus's hand yanked a ball-tipped lever as he brought the gun to his shoulder. 
the rifle cracked. Tim Johnson leaped, flopped over, and crumpled on the sidewalk in a brown and white heap. He didn't know what hit him. Oh, good, so at least it was fast. Mr. Tate jumped off the porch and ran to the Radley place. He stopped in front of the dog, squatted, turned around, and tapped his finger on his forehead above his left eye. You were a little to the right, Mr. Finch, he called. Always was, answered Atticus. If I had my druthers, I'd take a shotgun. He stooped and picked up his glasses, ground the broken lenses to powder under his heel, and went to Mr. Tate and stood looking down at Tim Johnson. Doors opened one by one, and the neighborhood slowly came alive. Miss Mottie walked down the steps with Miss Stephanie Crawford. Jem was paralyzed. I, I guess this kind of points out how no one's going to do anything except for Atticus, even the sheriff. Right. It's like, you got to do this. <laughs> and I guess they're going to look at Atticus different now. Like, wow, I guess my dad is cool. I mean, a mad dog. They were terrified of him. It's whatever they were terrified of. He... This has got to be another metaphor, and by metaphor, I mean analogy. Tim Johnson is not an analogy, Jennifer. I know. He was a person. Jem was paralyzed. I pinched him to get him moving, but when Atticus saw us coming, he called, Stay where you are. When Mr. Tate and Atticus returned to the yard, Mr. Tate was smiling. I'll have Zebo collect him. <laughs> Zebo. You haven't forgot much, Mr. Finch. They say it never leaves you. Atticus was silent. Atticus, said Jem. Yes, nothing. I saw that. One shot Finch. Atticus wheeled around and faced Miss Maudie. They looked at one another without saying anything. And Atticus got into the sheriff's car. They're taking him away. They're arresting him for killing the dog. <laughs> he, that's all. That's the end of the story for Atticus. Take him downtown. Atticus, you're going away for a very long time. Come here, he said to Jem. Don't you go near that dog, you understand? Don't go near him. He's just as dangerous dead as alive. Yes, sir, said Jem. Atticus, what, son? Nothing. What's the matter with you, boy? Can't you talk? Said Mr. Tate, grinning at Jem. Don't you know your daddy's? Hush, heck, said Atticus. When they drove away... Jim and I went to Miss Stephanie's front steps. We sat waiting for Zebo to arrive in the the garbage truck. <laughs> this whole thing is so un like could it get any worse? Poor Tim Tim Johnson woke up that day thinking it was gonna be another normal day. Now Zebo's back in the garbage truck up for him. Jim sat in numb confusion, and Miss Stephanie said uh, 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 who'd have thought of a mad dog in February? Maybe he wasn't mad. Maybe he was just crazy. I'd hate to see Harry Johnson's face when he gets in from the mobile run and finds Atticus Finch's shot his dog. Bet he was just full of fleas from somewhere. Miss Mottie said Miss Stephanie'd be singing a different tune if Tim Johnson was still coming up the street that they'd find out soon enough they'd send his head to Montgomery. Did they really, like, cut off the heads to see if they had... I thought that was like a, a wives' tale. They didn't... I thought they're... They didn't even do this in Cujo. <laughs> to cut his head... Now Tim Johnson's head is cut off, sent up. This is unbelievable. Jem became vaguely articulate. Do you see him, Scout? 
Gs. It's so hard for me to pronounce apostrophe D. I don't. I don't think by the end of the this book I'll be able to do it. Do you see that? Oh God. Do you see him, Scout? Do you see him just standing there, and and all of a sudden he just relaxed all over, and it looked like that gun was a part of him, and he did it so quick. Like, I have to aim for 10 minutes for I can hit something. Miss Maudie grinned wickedly. Well, now, Miss Jean Louise, she said, still think your father can't do anything? Still ashamed of him? No, I said meekly. Forgot to tell you the other day that besides playing the Jews harp, Atticus Finch was the deadest shot in Maycomb County in his time. Dead shot, echoed Jem. That's what I said, Jem Finch. Guess you'll change your tune now. The very idea. Didn't you know his nickname was All One Shot when he was a boy? Well, well, well. If it isn't All One Shot Finch. Why, down at the landing, when he was coming up, if he shot 15 times and hit 14 doves, he'd complain about wasting ammunition. He never said anything about that, Jem muttered. Never said anything about it, did he? No, ma'am. Wonder why he never goes hunting now, I said. Maybe I can tell you, said Miss Maudie. If your father's anything, he's civilized in his heart. Marksmanship's a gift of God, a talent. Oh, you have to practice to make it perfect. But shooting's different from playing the piano or the like. I think maybe he put his gun down when he realized that God had given him an unfair advantage over most living things. I guess he decided he wouldn't shoot till he had to. And he had to today. Looks like he'd be proud of it, I said. People in their right minds never take pride in their talents, said Miss Maudie. We saw Zebo drive up. He took a pitchfork <laughs> from the back of the garbage truck and gingerly lifted Tim Johnson. He pinched the dog into the truck, then poured something from a gallon jug on it and around the spot where Tim fell. Don't yell, come over here for a while, he called. I'm surprised they didn't set it on fire. When we went home, I told Jem we'd really have something to talk about at school on Monday. Jem turned on me. Don't say anything about it, Scout, he said. What? I certainly am. Ain't everybody's daddy the deadest shot in Maycomb County? Jem said, I reckon if he'd wanted us to know it, he'd have told us. If he was proud of it, he'd have told us. Maybe it just slipped his mind, I said. Nah, Scout, it's something you wouldn't understand. Atticus is real old, but I wouldn't care if he couldn't do anything. I wouldn't care if he couldn't do a blessed thing. Jem picked up a rock and threw it jubilantly at the car house. Running after it, he called back. Atticus is a gentleman just like me. End of chapter 10. It's time for PPP, Problematic Points to Ponder. <laughs> what, if anything, would be considered banworthy in this chapter? Give us the, the rundown here. There was nothing, again, nothing to make it banworthy, but god dang it, man. Yeah, no one likes to see a dog die. Well, they're all happy about it. He was a mad dog. What does that even mean? Like, we've been around dogs our whole lives. Have you ever seen a mad dog? I guess in the old days, the people would just let their dogs roam. Then they'd eventually get some horrible disease and then uh, have to be put down because the humans failed them. You know, I grew up on a farm. We've talked about this before. I almost want to get my friend Bartha on the phone. 
<laughs> because I was talking to him one day and he heard me on the phone because we had a wireless phone, not a cell phone. And mm -hmm. all of a sudden he heard a commotion and he said that I stopped talking and all of a sudden he just heard heavy breathing. And he said, what's going on? What's going on? I had jumped up on top of our picnic table because a wild pig <laughs> trapped me and was surrounding the the picnic table. And he said, what oh do you mean, God. like a wild boar? We don't have any wild boars here. And I go, no, it's Jerry Bergdorf's, Bergdorf's farm where I uh, tried to be a tried to help out as a dairy farmer for 10 minutes. Uh, Jerry Bergdorf's pig got out and came after me. So it was just a wild farm pig. And I had to wait for my dad to get home from work. By the way, I was in high school. <laughs> <laughs> Those pigs can be aggressive. Thanks, Jen. I appreciate it. There is nothing that would make this book ban-worthy. All right. Very good. I didn't find anything either. So maybe the next chapter. All right. When we continue with Hepper Lee's To Kill a Mockingbird. If you want to stop book banning in your local community, go to uh, the link in our show notes and you can get our book ban battle plan and you can do your part. Or if you want to donate to a really good charity that we have vetted, go to Best Friends Animal Society and make a donation to them. All right. Thanks for listening, everyone. We will see you for chapter 11. Bye. Bye.